when um, someone's got their mind resting in their heart space, it's kind of the easiest place to tune in to things like um, compassion and benevolence, um, love, the many forms of love. So uh, each part of the body uh, has uh, embedded uh, inherent information in it. And, and the heart has access to those things. If you look at the electromagnetic field of the heart, it's something like 5,000 times stronger than the brain. Um, so it's ability to shift your psychology, um, your energetics, uh, your energetic field is, um, is very powerful. So that's why we often focus there. Plus, if you're gonna focus on anything, uh, love's a really good place to start um, because you can't really go wrong. You're listening to Everybody Knows, a podcast about you and me reconnecting with our body to discover life unhindered by disease. I'm your host, Ben Cleaver. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Everybody Knows. So glad you could join me for today's episode. I'm your host, Ben, of course, and my guest on today's show is... Dr. Stephen Booth. Stephen is a doctor of Chinese medicine. He practices as a transpersonal acupuncturist. Uh, he's also a researcher and author on the topic of sacred geometry. Now, I'm really new to this, and this is probably a really poor explanation, but sacred geometry is essentially the harmonious patterns that we find repeated in nature and space and in our own bodies. Stephen has treated people with all kinds of traumas, uh, both mental and physical, PTSD, illnesses, injuries, and ailments. And he goes about it by uh, shifting learned patterns in our minds, bodies, and spirits that no longer serve us and that actually cause a blockage to healing and repair. It's really a, a spiritual work that directly impacts the body. He uses a whole host of different healing modalities, including acupuncture, uh, light body activation, breath work, uh, sound healing, and guided meditation to lead a patient to an altered state of consciousness and a place where he calls the heart space that gives people the ability to see uh, the negative patterns and the, the courage to make positive and lasting change. If this stuff sounds all woo-woo to you, then yeah, I know, it does to me as well. And Stephen would gladly accept that it does as well. And even that the science on this stuff is not settled, if, if it is ever settled on anything. But Stephen doesn't need you to buy into some sort of belief or new framework. Um, in fact, on the contrary, he, he encourages you to dig deep into your own faith, um, worldview or belief system to find that foundation of love, of compassion and acceptance of self and others, which is the true source of healing and lasting change. Now, I encourage you to uh, be curious about this and be a bit open-minded. This might be something new to you, but Stephen is such, um, such a disarming an unassuming person and um, I'm so glad to have him on the show to talk about the great things that he is doing to make lasting change and healing for people.
Great. Dr. Stephen Booth, that feels so weird saying that because I consider you a good friend, mate. Thank you for coming oh, on the show. You. Yeah, awesome. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, excited for it. Steve, you're a doctor of Chinese medicine. Uh, you're practicing as a transpersonal acupuncturist. Mm-hmm. I tried to do a bit of Googling on that yep. term and you, pretty you much came won't up. find anything. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and not, That's not many other people. <laughs> and hopefully the SEO is working then. Yeah. So, and you work with a whole bunch of different healing modalities uh, yeah. from energy work, light body activation, uh, shiatsu, obviously acupuncture. You have a whole concept that you write about called the Metatron's Cube. I, I, um, I just want to start by saying that, um, as I said before, you're a good friend. And that, that's, that's kind of, when I think about it, I've only met you in person twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple, couple of times. But we spent quality time as well. So it's, sometimes it's quality over yeah. quantity. And the first was at a retreat center setting. So you do get to know people at a lot more intimate level in, in that con- kind of environment. Yeah. Um, and we spent quality time. And I spent time in your house with your lovely family and kids. And yeah. you know, we, we bond, bonded over parenting and a few things. So. Hmm. Mate, I, um, as I said, I only met you a couple of times, and but I've been really impacted by your um, unassuming approach, your gentleness. When we were in the tr- uh, at the retreat, I first met you. You were one of the the practitioners. You and your your lovely wife Tash. Oh, thank um, you. And I was just struck by your your compassionate approach. Um, it really disarmed me. I mean, I've grown up in a, in a, a religious setting in, in a, a Christian, mm-hmm. a Christian church. Um, and this, your sort of work had kind of been, uh, I guess, blacklisted for someone like me. Of, of course. Yeah. You know, but your whole approach of, 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 of love, compassion, acceptance, mm-hmm. and real focus on what was an attention to what was going on. And I was in a pretty stressful Uh, situation there was stuff going on in my life and business and um it was it was a profound meeting and um i knew i needed to keep in touch with you and now um with the podcast i get to talk about and hear about uh what you do and i really want to sort of demystify that sounds great your your work um so that it's it's accessible for people and people get a new understanding of what's possible because this is not um you say put, you know, I put pins in people to make them feel good, uh, mm-hmm. but this is like next, next, next level kind of deep spiritual work. It, uh, it is. I, I mean, people, anyone can stick pins in someone, and you will get a. Um, if you're trained as an acupuncturist and you kind of know where to put them, you'll often get a, a beneficial response where someone will feel better because you're getting all these kinds of things happening with just the, the needling. You get histamine response, you get endorphins released, you get um, all these uh, happy chemicals. So just from that, um, and studies show that as well, that you get a, um, a, a feeling that's uh, beneficial and beneficial health changes. Um, but then doing so with um, presence and being present and developing a connection with someone that's um, honest and heart-centered and with a unconditional positive regard element, you know, from humanistic psychology and the Rogerian uh, counseling and psychology work, they've uh, identified these areas of uh, what makes a really solid uh, therapy session. And 
uh, having that rapport with someone as being the uh, most important over any technique or anything else that you can do. Uh, having that human connection and, and that direct, authentic connection with someone is the most important thing. So if you've got that, you're in the best place to start with. Oh, so, a- absolutely. Yeah, For me, that's a must. I mean, when you're receiving any sort of treatment, let alone the stuff that you do, which really kind of goes quite, gets quite inward. And mm-hmm. as a, receiving the treatment, you, you, you're in a vulnerable place. Um, you need to have a sense of, of trust and Absolutely. relaxation and um, feeling that there's no, it's a safe place. And I really yeah. felt that with you. And, and oh, thank you. Yeah. And I, look, I, I've, you know, it's something that you, you walk in um, with you, mm-hmm. with your doing treatment or your, you came out of my place to have dinner. And so I just want to recognize that, mate. And, um, and for those uh, listeners, thanks too, so much. Yeah, that, that are out there and uh, listening and they're suffering from illness, disease, pain. There are practitioners out there that, you know, have a, a compassionate approach and, a, mm-hmm. and create a safe space and um, keep going to your, to your find, find it's one. It's so important to, to feel safe, to be vulnerable as well um, and to share, and especially if you have got um, issues that are, are personal or deep or um, that have uh, trauma or history or uh, psychological elements attached to them that if you can feel safe, then that'll help a lot. And I mean, getting on the table for acupuncture, someone basically stripped down, vulnerable on the table, lying there, and someone's going to poke you with with, um, bits Mm. of metal. Mm. That's a pretty vulnerable spot to be in. So um, being able to, um, well, even ask for help and and go for the session is is pretty big sometimes. So if you have a practitioner or you look for one that that you um, trust is, is really important. If you find someone that's qualified, you know that they're going to be in a, best possible position as well and look for their experience and uh, know that you you gel with them too. You know, in one of the classics of Chinese medicine, they say the superior physician should have um, done a lot of the healing as soon as they've met the person or even on the phone call. You just make them feel good mm. and uh, feel confident in you and those kinds of things just goes a long way towards the actual outcome. Absolutely. Well, can you just talk to the relationship between body and mind this psychosomatic and and spiritual uh, approach to to healing and health because strangely we have in our modern age separated our mind we have our body that's such a good way of saying it as well this um illusion of of separation that we're we're different and, mm. and the part, um, even the body and mind or humans from one another or humans from the environment, there's this sort of disconnection, uh, isolation feeling going on anyway, which then, of course, breeds the urge, urge to reconnect with uh, one another and with the environment. So we have become disconnected. Mm. Um, but these things, if you look at them, you know, uh, humanity all exist as part of the, the planet. And in our body, we have all of these systems which to look at them in isolation is is useful to a point, but then to look at the way they interface with each other and are connected is uh, also very valuable. So if you have, if, well, if I have someone coming into my clinic and they have some anxiety, say, one of my first questions is, where is it? Hmm. When when you get anxious, where is it in your body? Uh, can you point to it? And everyone can, hmm. um, even if it's vague, they can say, oh, it's in my chest. It feels like this. Um, or this happens and then this happens and this happens and they recognize a pattern 
of of energy of uh, things that happen and or um, emotions and feelings that come up and can relate it to the map of their body. So there's this connection, and mm. we know by looking at uh, heart rate variability or even just breathing that any emotional change is reflected in the physiology. That heart rate changes. Um, brain activity changes, breath patterns change, and the quality and tensions in the breath and so on also change and move. And, and that um, relationship between uh, contraction and relaxation will be one of the main things that's shown up. And in Chinese medicine, we talk about that as being yin and yang elements. And that they are found across all levels. So they're found in the body, they're found in uh, the emotions, um, they're even found in the um, uh, sort of uh, whether we're going inwards or outwards in terms of our focus or concentration or um, uh, whether we're going into an individual or a communal type of expression of self. And the spiritual element, it's something that's obviously metaphysical. And as I understand, the transpersonal part of your work is essentially spiritual Work. It is, is it, yeah. It's so sort it's, of interchangeable. It's the things that you you can't see that you can see the effect of. So you can't see ideas, but you can see the effect of the ideas. In Chinese medicine, one of the words that they use for spirit is wind, because it's more ephemeral. It doesn't, um, you know, I can see the trees move out by window, but I'm not watching the wind. I'm watching the tree. Or I can mm. look at uh, sand dunes and see that there are three D print out of wind movements and currents over time but I haven't seen the wind unless mm. there's sand in it. Mm. Um, so spirit is kind of the same. It's this thing you see the effect of. So someone's ideas and uh, belief systems and feelings and understandings will reflect in their behavior and actions, and then that will also lead to um, health outcomes. Um, it will lead to um, other things. Like one of the main Chinese medicine classics when we look at for um, prognosis is what's a person's spirit like. And they'll have um, very clear methods for seeing if someone has got spirit or is, has not got spirit. It's actually gaining or losing spirit. So the, the having spirit, having shen in Chinese medicine is about um, uh, like a gaining quality. It's got a generative quality. Okay. And what, the, what they'll look at is um, what's their demeanor like? Uh, are, are, your, are your eyes shiny? Are, are you feeling bright and sprightly? Uh, are you managing and dealing with thing, the things and the changes that are upon you? Okay. So you can have someone that appears to be quite ill and maybe is, but they've still got a sparkle in their eye. And mm. You have someone that's maybe physically in not quite as bad a shape, but they're already defeated because they're, you know, they're feeling dull and listless and kind of broken on the inside. So mm. they're, they're kind of losing spirit. They're in a state of losing spirit. So if you can use that as a, uh, prognosticator and say well this person's got a uh, good chance from just where they are but you can also help someone come more into um, a, a flow state or more into a feeling state where they uh, can shift that um, that deeper center within themselves to become more connected whether that's to parts of self or parts of spirit um, right you know. and so and that's this flow state that's mm -hmm. what we'll talk about uh, in just a minute about um, how you go about bringing someone into sometimes an altered state of consciousness where mm -hmm. they're more freely uh, able to um, recognize or what make connections with the mind and the body with that. Right? Yeah. What's the benefit so can, of that? Um, 
there's there's a few things. One is the um, shift in perspective that comes with it. Mm. So if you look at um, consciousness first, is a is a big big topic. So what mm-hmm. is consciousness? Where where is it, etc. Yeah. Um, and that it operates across a spectrum. Um, so that uh, you know sleeping and waking is it part of a spectrum. Um, and if you're looking at um, when people are experiencing those different states, but you look at the really big like spiritual states or um, uh, like breakthrough type psychedelic states or um, uh, contemplation and prayer, these kinds of things will bring people up into a space where they have a greater perspective or maybe they can see their own personal issues from a new place or their history or they'll have new ideas and inspirations um, Mm. because you're, in that case, not using some aspects of your brain, but using others and, and so on. Mm. You get um, yeah uh, access to new information. Uh, you get access to uh, archetypal or, or deeper collective information as well. But you're also getting a um, uh, so so you're getting wider perspective, uh, more information, um, but uh, new ways of seeing and interpreting that information. So you're getting. Uh, access to patterns and things like that that exist um, that you can make 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 new connections with as well. Um, right, and there's a sense uh, what I experienced um, with you and that the retreat was mm-hmm. a sense of letting uh, a letting go of the ego, which is that protective or can be that protective self, mm-hmm. to be able to see your current state in a more compassionate way yes um rather than accusation because your own um personal story can become less important Mm. so this happens say um with near-death experiences is a really common one um so i know quite a few people that have had near-death experiences and some of it's the light flashes the life flashes before your eyes or you get the light at the end of the tunnel um that type of of thing but what happens is um, people come back with a new point of view now, what's important to them might have shifted quite a bit or where they were putting their energy or um, all this effort, maybe they've just changed direction on that because it has less meaning or something else has more meaning now. Mm-hmm. You know, the value shifts, even uh, collectively with um, COVID and everything, we're now uh, finding out uh, you know, maybe where I was putting my attention isn't as important or um, mm-hmm. finding out the family and uh, other things, higher values actually have greater importance for us. Right. So there's a shift and there's a realignment and uh, seeing things from a new perspective and we can evaluate yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So the, the word transpersonal, uh, one of the meanings is to get out of your own personal stuff. <laughs> that means you have access to all these others, other things as well. Mm. Um, so you have um, some people when they're going through a, um, anesthesia or something like that even they'll come back and they'll go oh i was this or i was that or a meditative state they'll came back and they'll believe that they're a whale or something like that for a amount of time so you have this sort of diffusion of um mm. identity so then coming back to you or, or even a recognition that we're all actually connected and that all of creation is creation so we're all one in some level if you go out far enough and zoom out far enough it's oneness mm. Mm. That when you come back to the personal from that point of view, then you've got this, um, well, how do I do the best job of being me with what I've got Yeah. as, you know, as, as you, as the universe of all things, but also you as, as you operating as you, mm. <laughs> the individual. Mm. Mm. Well, just assume that I know, um, Stephen, I know nothing about 
what is energy work and this light body activation that I've heard you mm-hmm. talk about? It sounds, well, I don't even know where to start to sort of think about what that is, but can you sort of break that down as if I've, um, as if I've never heard of, heard of it? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do my best. Um, yeah. And I'll also try and steer away from um, too much of the terminology that could be like uh, woo-woo and kind of fluffy and, and those kinds of things. Um, even though it kind of is at the same time, um, <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> um, like, let, let's be honest. But to keep it to keep it practically yeah. um, centered, um, so light body activation. We're talking about um, working with greater human potentials. So we know that um, humans are capable of amazing things. Um, even the word "hue," man, like hue, is a type of light, right? Um, so light and matter have a relationship and energy have a relationship. We know this from say Einstein's work that they have an interchangeability or a relationship between them. And light is also a way of expressing information just as, as matter is, uh, uh, energy slowed down. Um, proteins are information portals cause they're just codes, right? Mm. So we're mapping together, um, greater ways of accessing more information. So we talked about altered states before and, and the way that shifts your perspective. Um, when you bring that back to, to you and in, in the body, how to get the most out of um, your capacity. And a lot of that is around um, how do you adapt to the environment? How do you adapt to life's challenges? And oh, now I'm a dad or now I've got to work out a new job or whatever life's throwing at you. Now I've now got this thing that's happened or an accident or an illness or whatever that you've got to deal with in your terms of your complexity. Yeah. Ways of doing that um, that makes sense from a, the greatest perspective as possible. So as, as integrated, that take into account um, the body, uh, the emotions, uh, the energy systems, um, and the layers of storage of that information as well. So if we look at the brain as a receiver transmitter type of instrumentation um but the body also is a storage container a matter is a storage container for energetic information so one way of looking that that relationship is um uh over time you lay down patterns in your body uh, according to say the way you walk or the way you hold yourself and a lot of that is um related to the things that you've encountered in your life so to take a really basic example, like let's say someone cut me off in traffic last week and my shoulders went up. Then a week later, I haven't relaxed them yet because it's just that tension's still building, you know? So right. um, so there's a, there's a holding, a contraction where, um, you know, maybe I've had to feel defensive or maybe I um, uh, have adopted some distortion in my physical body. Over time, that will then be reflected and continue in a, a building cycle so that I will um, continue to feel uh, more protective, more protective if I'm continuing to expose to those same kinds of stresses and respond in the same way. So you get that, that build up. Right. What we're doing with the, um, the light body geometries is looking at the way those um, psychological and emotional aspects in the body, the more subtle things that you can't see, um, relate to the body and then mapping them together with um, beneficial information. So we want to tune into 
what do we actually want in that space? What, what's in there already? So, um, say you look at a space like like the back of the neck and the shoulders, and I just use as an example. Mm-hmm. We know that they are places that gather tension. You know, if someone's stressed, it goes up. Um, if someone feels under attack or oppressed, you'll raise your shoulders. If I walk out in the chilly wind, I'll raise my shoulders up, and it's kind of this defensive, contractive thing. But what else happens is my chest gets tired. Um, I'll um, maybe clench my jaw. Um, so I'm getting like a, a compounding and a, um, a greater um, tension gathering at that point. Mm-hmm. So rather than doing that, what I can do is call in the feeling of uh, feeling protected, feeling safe, feeling secure, and actually center it and ground it. And one of the ways of doing that is to um, deliberately alter my experience, deliberately alter my state and tune into that sense of, well, when has that happened before that I felt safe? When has that happened before that I felt um, connected or loving or compassionate or whatever it is that I I want to um, work with and generate that feeling state by tuning into the memory of it and recalling how did that feel in my body? You know, what was, what was my sense of that? What was the, um, what was the time and place location, like the cosmic IP address of that experience that I had? Dial it up and then uh, feel it. Yep. And then um, call in as much of the data points on that as you can remember. So things like um, the, the people that were around or the, but especially the physical sensations because they're, you know, they're considered mm-hmm. real because they're in, in, your, in your matter, right? Mm-hmm. They're less immaterial. Mm-hmm. But what we're generating is a, is a, thing that's felt sense that isn't um matter so it's something else so that's um where the ideas around energy or even psychology come in so you, whether it's an energetic map or a psychological map kind of even doesn't matter but then you can create like a energetic shielding shape so often we'll use over the back um a, a diamond shape or a kite shape actually um from the base of the skull down into the shoulder blades and into the back of the heart so you've got a double triangle and fill that whole space with uh, feelings of safety, uh, feeling at rest, at ease, secure, protected, and program the points in a sequential order to hold that feeling, hold that um, psychological state across the body map. And then um, that's an example of using a a geometry with with feeling and connection to lock in a, a sense so that rather than um, I go out unprepared and meet a challenge that makes me feel tense, mm. I can um, feel connected, feel safe and secure with a with a shape. Mm. And then when I encounter those things, I'll be less likely to be tensing up against it because I've already got that sense of feeling protected. I mean, it's it's different if you are encountering like a um, saber-toothed tiger in, in the jungle yeah, or whatever it is. And it should be. Yeah, yeah absolutely it should be. So – this is something you induce during treatment, but it's something that lingers and in a sense is, you can yeah. lock in. You can, and you can do it as a um, self-development practice as well. So using um, your sensory capacity, whether that's um, your ability to see and intuit or even just to feel. So uh, one really nice one is to um, just feel the directions around you. Can you get your sense of up and down? forward and back, left and right and so on, and map those together and map each of those nodes with a beneficial feeling state that you want and you can map them across time and various things. But 
um, yeah, you're creating a, uh, with practice especially, a lingering uh, psychological imprint and feeling state. Um, so, for instance, if you are using the hard energy, and, and mainly we do, and tuning into... What do you into, mean by that, the hard energy? Yeah, okay. The heart, so, okay, heart energy. Yeah, heart. Yeah, not hard energy. <laughs> uh, the, what, same, same, same. Yeah, what does that mean, heart energy? Okay. So, when um, someone's got their mind resting in their heart space, it's kind of the easiest place to tune into things like um, compassion and benevolence, um, love, the many forms of love. So uh, each part of the body uh, has uh, embedded uh, inherent information in it and, and the heart has access to those things. If you look at the electromagnetic field of the heart, it's something like 5,000 times stronger than the brain. Um, so its ability to shift your psychology, um, your energetics uh, and your energetic field is, um, is very powerful. So that's why we often focus there. Plus, if you're going to focus on anything, um, love's a really good place to start um, because you can't really go wrong um, if you're staying in integrity. And you're also looking for um, like alignment. So, you know, if your head wants that and your heart wants that, it doesn't feel comfortable. But if they're in alignment and agreement, mm. it's like, ah, I feel in flow. I feel on track. Okay. So, yeah, if we're using heart energy, bringing up feelings of compassion, gratitude maybe, whether that's from the experience of like receiving those feelings, like being on the receiving end of compassion or gratitude right. makes you feel a certain way, but right. also uh, expressing compassion or gratitude also makes you feel a certain way, bringing up those feelings as tangibly as possible. And uh, if you're sending them out, it's like that feeling is naturally uh, coloring your uh, filtering system mm -hmm. so that by generating and sending out this feeling, transmitting it, you're naturally reprogramming your own perceptions so that you'll be more likely when you go out into the world to start seeing the world through that filter of compassion, love, gratitude. So when people are doing gratitude diaries and those kinds of things and, or affirmations, they're doing the same kind of thing. But... Um, to make it less cerebral and more felt, to actually like really tune into the feeling and give it a location as well, um, make it tangible. You connect any three points, you're going to make a triangle. The triangles are nice stable shapes and they're containers for resonant information, mm. um, so feelings. So you can lock in a feeling to a, a, sh a solid shape like a triangle. Um, triangles are also signatures for... Um, spirals um, because if you have, you can't have two points opening uh, occupying the same space so it means that there's always going to be like a little bit of an opening okay. so it's like they're, they're suggestive of especially if they're spinning a spiral mm. they're also signatures for tetrahedrons mm. um, and tetrahedrons are said to be the basic building block of space-time if you look at the latest um, quantum gravity research from places like um Resonance Science Foundation with Nassim Haramein, um, or there's a Quantum Gravity Research Foundation as well. They're both saying that um, the basic unit of space-time is a Planck-length tetrahedron or a holographic 64-star tetrahedron, actually, um, and have these uh, yeah, complex maps of, of showing the way things are connected. Okay. And um, so they have a, 
Haramain's got mathematics that show the entire universe is uh, holographically represented in the mass of every proton um, so that there's absolute connection. There's no separation between anything. Um, and um, it seems to work. I mean, um, uh, but lock, locking down the, um, the feeling states into shapes is really helpful, but then getting the um, shapes to communicate with each other and uh, interact with each other and be generative as well. So you, you gain more of that feeling of okay. flow or connection or being able to recognize when you're not in alignment. Okay. So if I'm doing something in my life that's not in that um, space of, say, love and compassion and gratitude, whatever you've tuned into, and you go, oh, that wasn't very loving, or you see it happening around you and the story around you, it's way easier to spot and you can do something about it and come back to your own center and integrity. And you can pick it earlier. So what does this approach, who does this work for? What sort of things are you treating and have you seen really benefit from this? Are we talking about, um, you know, just, you know, somatic, you know, pain or healing or whatever? Are we talking about chronic disease? Are we talking yeah. about trauma, mental, physical? Yeah. Can you yeah. elaborate? So I'm, I'm- I work with um, a, a bunch of different people across walk, different walks of life. Um, I work with, say, some um, some tech guys who are right into biohacking and self-optimization and those kinds of things. So they're very well people. They're very highly functioning, and um, they're using it to uh, get more in tune or to um, better themselves. Right. I've also worked, say, with um, uh, the homeless and um, a lot in drug rehabilitation. I did that as my full-time work for a couple of years, uh, working in drug rehab. And one of the issues there is that people have lost all structure. Um, so that usually their daily routines ride out and their energy structures are ride out and almost always behind um, drug addiction as well as trauma. And that's another area that this work really shines because it, um, gives you the ability to uh, overcome those um, dysfunctional patterns that result from trauma. So mm. when um, when there's trauma, one of the ways to overcome it is to be able to see it from another perspective and to see it from a safe perspective. So if you're generating this um, uh, field around you and in you that feels safe, uh, that feels um, held and um it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to feel these things, then you get the opportunity to um, reprocess and repattern that trauma and even um, uh, gain something from it. Is that essentially so the, the heart space that you were talking about? Is that is that how yeah. you, that, that creating I mean, that safe space that, that someone's that, disarmed? That's really the key thing is, is to come into that safe space, um, but then to uh, see your end feel the thing that's happened that was traumatic, but then to see it from a, um, from a perspective that's shifted in some way where you're looking at it with, say, a sense of gratitude. If you can look at trauma from a sense of gratitude and be really grateful for that thing that was so terrible, mm. that's so powerful. And it's very hard to get to and it's much easier to, um, to, uh, to say than to do. But that's a lot of the time where there's really big healing and repatterning. So... Yeah, the type type of things that people are gaining is is you know wisdom. Um, you know, I wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have realized that thing unless this bad thing happened. Uh, 
it can also sound really um, harsh and unkind. From another point of view, you can you know talk about um, some terrible things that happen are just terrible, and um, yes, there's yeah, you're, you're not condoning anything that no, that no, has happened. no, nothing like that. Does doesn't mean it's okay, um, etc. But you can um, find a way of living with it. Um, mm. So same with uh, chronic illness, which I, I know you were talking about, and is a focus for your show. Sometimes um, you're in a situation that you just can't change or this thing's there and you've got to deal with it as best you can. So working with, um, say, chronic pain, um, acupuncture is amazing for pain anyway. But if you can um, break a negative sort of cycle where someone's in a lot of chronic pain, makes them feel terrible, and that feeling terrible then shifts their perception of the pain so it now becomes even worse. Mm-hmm. So they feel even worse, so that their pain's worse, and it's um, really unpleasant. If you can interrupt that a little bit, even just give them some respite from it for a little while, everything gets easier. But if you can shift someone's um, emotional state and mental state into something that's more positive, then mm-hmm. the pain's more bearable, and, and it lessens it um, just, just from that shift of perspective. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's so, almost so like very the- the you know the discomfort becomes suffering when we yeah when we give it that meaning we yeah. judge it to be you focus on it as well and, and yeah all of those things so that's hugely I mean, powerful for people in in pain mm. like myself where uh <laughs> it's and it seems rude and um almost unsympathetic to as a concept to go, hey, you just need to be thankful for your pain. But I know that at times I have broken through to some sort of point of sitting with complete discomfort. And this is through meditation and and, um, just getting, you know, out of my mind and um, feeling the body. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, just those basic meditation practices, being an observer rather than being identified with what's going yep. on. Anxiety as well. That spiraling sort of like, I hate this. This doesn't feel good. I don't want to be in this situation. Why, you know, um, but I'm doing this to myself. Um, this spiraling thing. And uh, if you can create some space around that yep. um, to observe it in a compassionate way, um, you can bring in some sense of, hey, this is, this is not me, but it's happening, and I and accept it, and um, and I'm just going to be kind of thankful that I'm in this state of um, of of acceptance and growing, and yeah. and that gratitude is just a superpower, isn't it? it? It's it's incredibly incredibly powerful. A lot of science coming out around it too. If you look at um, Rupert Sheldrake's latest book. Um, science and spiritual practices. He's got a lot of science around gratitude as a practice. What was his name but, again? But Rupert Sheldrake. He's the guy okay. that came up with the concepts of morphogenic fields. I can um, maybe give you something to put in the show notes if you like. Mm. Um, amazing character. Um, what you're saying there about um, disidentifying with the issue, it's, it can also just be a change in identity. Like who are you when you're in it and who are when you're not in it? And just having that shift, if nothing else, it just gives you a break from it for a minute. 
Mm. And in that space where you're, you're having a break, you can have those things like gratitude and so on come up. But you might also see solutions that you can't see when you're in it. Mm. Like, um, oh, yeah. It happens with other people too. It's easier to see in other people. Oh, this person's just caught in that cycle and they can't see their way out of it. You know, well, um, if anyone's ever been in like a situation where they've been depressed, you know, you you're just in this fog and you can't get can't see no. any way out. Of it, yeah. You know, so to uh, create opportunities where you can shift that or or check, have a new experience. You know, expose um, expose someone to really beneficial information that's generated in a feeling state within them. Mm. Um, that can help them uh, find new solutions as well. Yeah. So you have the benefit of working, um, you know, in that integrated way, both with the acupuncture and, and working with the shapes, but also inducing a state, as we said, the heart space, um, which often induces uh, an altered state of Another consciousness. State. Yep. Um, can you talk about, uh, how you how you do that firstly, and then we'll go on to yeah. some some common experiences in that because that can get pretty pretty crazy as well. And all you, yeah. you all you're using is basically like you know uh, setting a scene and using breath work and stuff like that. Um, and That's then right. and then we'll talk about you know I mean we've we've talked about the benefits of that, but yeah. So how, how would you if I was coming to you now and how would you sort of in, in, induce that? Yeah, sure. Um, so there's, there's a range of tools that I use and even um, helping someone let their guard down a little bit and be vulnerable that we talked about quite a bit is very, very helpful. Mm. Um, I'll also use uh, sound. So whether I'll, I'll use um, even live instrumentation sometimes and tuning forks and things like that, um, chimes and um, uh, my partner Tash uses a drum. So when we do group work, she'll often drum or very specific um, pieces of music. You know, music is a great way to move feeling states. You know, it brings out emotion or it's an expression of emotion or even um, devotion. You know, a lot of the great classical music is all this devotional music. If you look at Bach and those kinds of things. So, um, or if you've ever chung, uh, sung in a church and had a, uh, emotion and devotion feelings yeah. come up, yeah, you can relate say, to that through, so. through, through through music or choir and those things. Yeah. Uh, toning um, and uh, vocal sounds as well, even. And uh, guided meditation. Okay. So bringing pe- people into um, you know, being directive with it, um, leading them through a, a process around that. Uh, have just focusing on your breath, putting your attention somewhere specific. These are all ways of, of altering your state. And to also recognize that it's. Um, not necessarily unfamiliar or scary. You know, we talked about before you're spending like something like a third of your life in a altered state when you're dreaming and, and asleep and, and those things. Mm. Um, so this isn't that unlike that. And, and why would you bother, you know, what's sleeping for? Um, in a sleep state, the theories are that maybe you're processing unconscious information. So in the altered states that I'm inducing, maybe you're um, reconfiguring some of that unconscious information or deliberately putting in beneficial information um, or or allowing for shift in perspective and things. The other things I do to induce altered states is, well, just the needles themselves um, will cause the the chemical releases of endorphins and things like that. 
uh, blood vessel dilation, so you get a relaxation response, um, changes in the nervous system and so on, so that someone's feeling more relaxed and in that uh, rest and rejuvenate kind of mode rather than fight flight. Um, I'll also use uh, bioresonance stimulation, which uses uh, electrical frequency. Um, and there's a few ways of applying that, whether that's um, uh, you can do it remotely to someone with their uh, DNA if you have a sample through quantum entanglement. Um, but very tangibly, you can put on TENS pads with a specific electrical pulse. Um, so I generally apply them to the median nerve through a point here that the Chinese call neiguan, which means inner gate, mm -hmm. uh, pericardium six. So it relates to the heart center. So it's on the median nerve. So it um, sends signals to the vagus nerve and so on as well. Um, and apply um, frequencies that I, I know will be beneficial or um, help induce an altered state. Mm. Even just stimulating this point just with uh, pressure helps someone feel safe and centered and comfortable. And you see that, um, you know, if someone's feeling anxious, they'll often grab here themselves mm. um, or, you know, hold it over their center right. um, to feel safe and contained. Um, or we use it for uh, motion sickness and nausea. And, you know, it's really common. You get these magnetic belts at the pharmacy now, the wristbands mm. that stimulate this point to stop someone feel like, feeling like they're in motion. Mm. So having that centered sense. Um, so there's, there's some of the ways that I'll induce the altered state. Um, just creating the right set and setting as well. So helping the person with their own mindset, but also creating the environment that's, that's helpful mm. and um, conducive to, um, to a useful experience. And are these then, would you say, uh, hallucinations or is this just kind of a kind of a mind's eye dreaming, as you said, dreaming yeah. stages similar to... A dreaming state. Yeah, right. Um, so often there's a very big crossover between dream states and what people will, will experience um, on the table. So the way I'll generally set it up is I'll get someone on the table and, and safe and we've worked out a common intention that we want to work on. Then we'll run one of the um, geometric patterns and I'll talk them through it, inducing um, a shift and giving them some information and touching on some um, things that sometimes I'll get intuitively what we need to, to work with. Sometimes they'll have told me and it'll be a reflection of their content, but then I'll just leave them be and usually dial the sound up quite loud and they'll come back with recounts of, I saw this or had these symbols or images come up or feelings. Sometimes they'll say, um, I saw my, my grandmother and she told me this and, you know, she'd been there 20 years and she gave me this information or I felt this heart connection or, um, I've had people have alien encounters. I've had people um, came back and, oh, I just met the big guy. Was that supposed to happen? And <laughs> this kind of thing. Um, so some pretty you know, out there kind of stuff that you normally wouldn't associate with, um, you know, a regular, I'm going to the doctors for an hour, yeah. um, going to a therapy session or something. Yeah. Um, so, so very strong altered states experiences um, that happen frequently. And, then and and then how does this uh, translate into a real benefit and a, and a shift for them? Yep. Um, so one aspect is um, what, what we call a sense of agency, so that the person then knows through experience that they have the power to change the way they feel. The other interesting things is um, a shift in values. So when someone shifts their perspective or their experience from one way of being that they're used to and they're trained in and get to look back at it from another point of view, 
that what comes with that is a change in uh, in the way they live their life. So the, the habits and value systems shift accordingly as well. So things that seemed important before maybe don't as much or, um, you know, closeness and connection maybe become uh, more important in their lives and things like that. So it usually comes with a, a spiritual element as well mm. um, or is particularly apparent when there is a spiritual element in their experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the work coming out of um, Johns Hopkins University at the moment is super interesting around that. Um, over there, they're allowed to study uh, psilocybin mushrooms as a form of um, a therapy. Uh, we've actually uh-huh. got a trial down here in Melbourne as well. So there you're working with a very powerfully induced altered state. Um, and what they're finding, uh, they're doing work with people with uh, end-of-life anxiety. So these are people with cancer or um, terminal illness. And they're life-changing. Uh, you know, people are re- consistently reporting that it's one of the top five, if not, you know, top one or two experiences of their life. It's putting things in perspective. It's taking away their fear because they've got a sense of there's something else or there's a greater meaning or greater purpose. Mm. And, uh, yeah, the Johns Hopkins research is really showing that when there's a um, spiritual element to those experiences, that the effect is long-lasting and profound. Um, especially when you're looking at, uh, say, PTSD, that a lot of the people with PTSD that go through those trials um, don't even qualify for PTSD anymore um, after the first round, so they have to drop out of the trial. And it's like, well, um, you know, it's kind of the best possible outcome, but mm. it's also uh, confounding for researchers at the same time um, because they want to follow people through and see a course of treatment. Right. So, Steve, are these mushrooms going to put you out of business? Um well, so when, when you look through um, the foundations of, of the therapeutic use of those type of substances, yeah. um, they're looking at a few elements. They're looking at the substance itself, the, the mindset and the setting. Mm. Um, so the, my, why is the person doing it anyway and what setting are they doing, doing it in? So it's, they're not um, you know, going to a, a rave party and you yeah. know, the DJ doesn't follow them up a week later or this kind of thing. Um, they're Bloody doing it in a really, really therapeutic setting uh, with qualified people and it's usually, um, you know, there might be 12 counselling sessions before and after and this kind of thing, whatever the protocol is. Right. Um, but the other element is skill. So set, setting, substance and skill. So in uh, the work that I'm doing, we're also developing skills in working with those altered states um, skills around how, how do I center myself? Um, if my awareness expands right out and I'm getting all this new sensory information, how do I process that and make sense of it? Um, those kinds of things. So I don't think um, the uh, psychedelic world's going to put me out, out of business in, in, in that sense, but it's definitely very, very interesting. Like I, I said, just that um, curiosity in me um, yeah. around um, the, the use of those uh, an application therapeutic application of, of those substances is super interesting. I see the crossover because it's still working with altered states. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. And there's so many ways, other ways that uh, humans naturally will want to induce altered states, whether it's you know, dancing or um, um, even running, you know, you get a runner's high if you, if you run far, far enough or fast enough. Um, mm. You know, if you've done very challenging physical things before you'll, you'll get a rush or you know, people climb mountains and, jump out of planes and all sorts of stuff for, for a shift in their experience. Mm. I mean, go, go, and, go and watch a movie, you know, go and watch a scary movie. That's an altered state in mm. a way. Mm. Um, you, you're changing your physiology. Your heart rate's going faster. 
um, you're changing your hormonal profiles and things, nothing's physically happening to you. Mm. Um, it's all on your head or it's all on the screen. Um, but you're, you're having an experience coming out of it, maybe um, depending on how good the writer is and, and you know what your motivations are, set and setting all those things as well. Um, maybe you learn something or uh, maybe there's a storytelling involved in it as well because, mm. um, you know, if you look at psychology, a lot of it is the stories that we tell ourselves and each other forms the, the basis for those um, patterns that, that we live our lives by. Mm. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, creating maps of, of story within the body, um, using the uh, in information that's inherent within the points and creating uh, connections between them, let you um, create um, new and beneficial stories with the information that's already there. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's super interesting. And I, I think for me, I'm getting this, you know, to put it really basically, it's essentially, you know, when th stuff happens to us for whatever reason, you know, a pattern starts emerging, mm -hmm. um, often a protective passion, uh, pattern or a pattern out of, out of fear we have the in so many different um uh, philosophical ways of looking at life we have that you know that hero's journey where the mm -hmm. wound the wound happens right um yep the wound and um it, that creates pattern whether it's in our mind or it's in our body how we protect ourselves and um this state of heart connectedness or heart space that that we find in a sense of um you know relaxed setting that's uh non-defensive you know um and in an altered state we can start to move those patterns around and create new patterns mm -hmm. that are beneficial and, and make a, a positive shift and is am i am i hearing this right you're, you're bang on the money with that like Woo! you're creating this yeah window of opportunity to put all this new yeah. information in and, and make sense hey, so um, wow. yeah these these geometric forms, they, um, it's like if you look at a map of a city, but you zoom right, right in on all the laneways, you get you know a bit of a picture, but you don't really know what's going on until you zoom right out and see you know the freeways and arterials and things and the, the overarching shapes that mm. the city forms, and then you know the relationships between spaces and places that you wouldn't if you be actually there in it as well. Right, and I want to that that element of love and and compassion that I've experienced from you and your work um, but that we've alluded to a number of times today and in in fact in my questionnaire uh, to you um, before the show that you filled out uh, mm -hmm. the the final question that I have there is you know what's one one message that you'd love to get across uh, to mm -hmm. the listeners and um, and yours was simply love is everything. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, love's the answer. And, and even if it's not the answer to everything, it's a pretty damn good one. Um, there's the same with if you're looking for how to be loving and um, in in your work. If if you're not, um, if you're in, in healing and uh, healthcare mm. and you're not coming from a place of love, then why are you even doing it? You know, mm. once uh, I see this, like I treat a bunch of nurses and um the ones that get to the point where it's just a job or it's um, it's it's work and that's mm. and that's it, start resenting it um, because that's not what they got into it usually. 
Mm. You know, it's not just something you fall into. It's because you um, value people and you care about people. Mm. Um, and that's, that's coming from a place of service or love or um, compassion. So, um, yeah, in terms of um, personal integrity and those things to, to check, you know, um, even, you know, I've seen some people that uh, maybe I've had difficulty um, accepting some of their decisions that they've made or mm-hmm. the way they live their life and those things. But I have to be able to find something in them that I can actually say that I love or that mm-hmm. I value or that um, um, not that maybe their other behavior is okay, but to have that authentic connection, um, desire to want to work with them and, and for their um, own healing process, that there has to be an element of love in there you know, mm-hmm. and, and care and compassion. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to create that safe space for them to um, uh, to create a change. Mm. And as, and oh, this is probably um, way too. I'm not looking for some profound um, universe-shaking answer. But what is what is love? I'll try. What is love? <laughs> what is love essentially? And what what are we talking about there? Because there's lo- even lots of concepts of people. Uh, what is love? Do I just need to think up positive thoughts about myself and others, or? Um, you know, what is that foundation love that you use as a practitioner, but also that somebody can, uh, as a sufferer, um, can yeah. understand and use? And yeah, like, so I'm asking you what love is. So that's kind of like, <laughs> uh, well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll use the same um, descriptor that we use for spirit. You know, how, how do you define it? And you, you it. can really only define it by the way you see it show up. Hmm. So, you look at someone's actions and go, are they loving? Are they compassionate based on uh, what they're doing? Mm. And depending on your perspective, something may or may not look loving. Like um, I won't let my 10-month-old eat a chocolate bar mm. because that's a loving thing to do mm. where from him, me giving him the chocolate bar, bar might be loving. It's just um, cruel, so, Dad. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I know. I'm so mean. Yeah. Um or, or creating boundaries as a parent and things you have to do like that yeah. because it's a it's a loving thing because you're teaching your child how to deal with the world and, and so on. If, if they don't learn how to clean up their room or whatever it is they've got to do, mm-hmm. then they'll enter adulthood without those skills. So mm-hmm. so having um, structures and boundaries and things like that are, are loving as well um, and are, are the expression of or can be the expression of. So it depends on your perspective, but to look at, at how – how it's actually showing up in 3D reality, uh, what what the actions are. Um, but in terms of um, the, the feeling, you know, I, I guess that's a, a thing to find in yourself. And usually you know it when you're uh, on the receiving end. Mm. Um, so when you're on, your, on the receiving end and you're in a um, place where um, someone's being compassionate towards you and you're feeling it, you, you get that experience. Um, it's like a magnetic um, attraction as well. So then you can tune into that uh, frequency, I guess, and then express it yourself mm. um, yeah, or, or find it. Mm. Um, and the same is true as well. You know, that moral compass that we, we all, well, unless you're a psychopath or something, then you, you don't have the capacity for it, but we all have this um, sense of right and wrong. Um, so the, the d- desire to follow your own um, integrity and truth is, is a type of um, love as well, I would say. I mean, mm. um, yeah. Authentically. I, I don't know yeah. how much. Yeah. That's probably the best I can do for. Oh, mate, that's pretty good. Question. 
That's all yeah, right. It's love. <laughs> I'm asking you meaning of life questions, um, but I'm just curious. Yeah. And and as a sufferer, man, how can I love myself? I, I guess we're you know coming to the end of our discussion, and I kind of want to um, get some help as to you know what's my homework now. Um, one, you know what what practice what practices would you recommend to those um, playing at home that they can yeah. integrate into you know into their journey and the path to healing. And also yep. then um, where can they find maybe practitioners that are uh, working with energy and, uh, and you know, Chinese medicine um, and, and these yep. sort of altered states and some, somewhat of what you do. So um, my, my advice and homework is um, find what inspires you and, and follow it. Um, so what are the things that make it worth getting up in the morning? Where are your higher values aligned with and make sure you're working towards them. Um, and when you're doing it, you've got this podcast, you're helping a bunch of people with it. Um, that that's amazing. Um, so yeah, no self-knowledge, self-awareness, and then acting on, on the things that uh, are leading you on the path of your heart, Shen Dao, your spirit's path. Um, mm. and uh, make sure you're supporting that with practices like things like gratitude um, as as a practice. You know, actually sit. You know, even if it's two minutes, but sit and find something to be grateful for in the morning. Um, it's yeah. a good time to program your day. It doesn't have to be um, an hour of of sitting on the on nah, the floor with your legs crossed and, and nah, staying on. Like I try and get uh, people to exercise or something, and they're like, "Oh, I have to schedule two hours to go to the gym," and it's all this like not just like skip for a minute. Or, or you know, go for, go for a ten minute walk and deep breathe and think um, think of affirmations. It doesn't have to be a huge um, long thing that you schedule. I mean, if you can um, if you can do fifty squats, and get out of breath, like, and you're not used to doing anything, just to get to that is a is a big achievement, right? For, mm. If you've got a sedentary lifestyle, so um, yeah, it doesn't have to be huge changes. Like the guy that went from six beers to four beers, and his whole life's different. And he's um, medication intake's much reduced. Um, so, yeah, small change is really beneficial. But um, knowing yourself and knowing what's uh, what what gets you going and what's what your passions are, and then uh, creating a life that helps you um, follow them, um, really helpful. Um, in terms of where to look for for other things, um, when you can have a look at um, my my webpage and Facebook and things, or even go to esotericacupuncture.com. That's uh, Mikio Sankey's website. He's the uh, founder of Esoteric Acupuncture. He's a Japanese-American acupuncturist, and he's got a database on there of people that he's trained and worked with. Um, and, and just uh, on that that word, esoteric acupuncture, in a nutshell, what, what is that? So esoteric means uh, what's hidden. So uh, exoteric is what's obvious and what's hidden. So mm. we're working with um, ideas and value systems and um, energy and all these things. That's all stuff that's beneath the surface or that's, that's hidden. So it does usually have spiritual connotation as well or even a um, uh, you know, kind of ritualized practice type of element, like you're creating a um, deliberate change as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so you're working with um, deep, deeper or hidden meanings. Mm. Um, uh, the other place that you'll be able to look soon is Seven, Seven Stars Academy. Um, so that's the um, the teaching school that I'm um, uh, opening up, which oh, works with um, uh, self-development as well as practitioner training. Um, 
taking the um you know been in this field for around 20 years and i've done a lot of different things and also taught a lot of material over the years so i'm going to chuck it all in one spot where people can can access it and um we'll put some uh, entry-level courses on there as well that'll be helpful so that's seven stars academy mm. awesome get in it yeah awesome yeah um so mate that's wow uh, we covered a lot there <laughs> we did yeah we went for a little while as well so it's been good and, and and thanks for playing with me with the um, oh thanks some for of those the questions. invite. Oh yeah, it's good fun, and um, I think you're doing a great job with the, the work you're doing with the with the podcast and and life in general. You, you're kicking goals, mate. So I'm glad oh, to see it. Oh well, you're very kind, mate. Um, truly, thank you so much for you know the impact you've had on my life and for your time today. Uh, honored. It's awesome, yeah. mate. All the best. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Everybody Knows. I so hope that you got as much out of hearing from my guest as I did. If you're enjoying my podcast on whichever platform you're listening, please consider rating it, leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. It kind of gives me a bit of a kick too. Thanks. Did you know that this podcast is also on YouTube? Search for Everybody Knows Ben Cleaver, haha, and you can watch the interviews in full HD video. Yeah. I'm uploading other videos there too of things I'm learning and doing to reach greater health. Everybody Knows is also on Instagram at everybodyknows.health and on Facebook as Everybody Knows Podcast. I'd love to connect with you there on whichever platform you use. Finally, this podcast was filmed, recorded and produced by Make Media Studio. Special thanks to my audiovisual engineer, Jose Biotto. Again, thank you for listening. See you on social or in the next episode. Be well and love your body like your life flows from it, because it does. <laughs>